What's up? What's up? What is up? It's another Friday. So you know what we do. We record the Ball Hawk Sports Talk. We bring you sports, business, entertainment, and we do it one way and one way only, rough, rugged, and raw. It is the crew together, all three of us, so you can expect to have some fireworks. The summer season has started. You see, I got on my white hat for those who are watching. Memorial Day weekend was last weekend. Everyone had the barbecues. And we know that this is also track season. So today's episode is going by the title of Photo Finish. But like every week, like every title, it's going to mean more than just a photo finish in track. But it's worth noting that a photo finish is a close finish of a race, which the winner is identifiable only from a photograph taken as the competitors cross the finish line. We like photo finishes. We like close finishes. We like it to be indeterminable by the naked eye because that means you got good competition. And whether it be track, whether it be basketball, whether it be anything that we discussed this week between sports, business, and entertainment, we had a lot of photo finishes. So stay tuned, strap on your seatbelt, and let's get into how this competition played out throughout the week. It's sports, business, and entertainment. It's the Ball Hog Sports Talk coming to you this morning. Fasten your seatbelt, and let's Wake up, wake up, wake up, and stay woke, because this is the Ball Hog Sports Talk with your boy, B. Brown, ESQ, a.k.a. the Ball Hog, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South. This is the place where sports, business, and entertainment collide. And we're going to give it to you rough, rugged, and raw, so come get you a spoonful, like some grits with butter. And salt. You know how we do it in the South, y'all. Make sure you do not get caught in your feelings. Strap on your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. Come on, let's go, 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 go. When they say let's go, that's what we do. We gonna go. Let's go, baby. Photo finish. All sports talk. The crew is in the building. Let's start off in the other time zone. We shall call it in the windy city. In the real time zone, the central time zone. Central is the real. Y'all east. You gotta go direction. We central, right? We're in the middle of everything. We just y'all need help because y'all can't add and subtract. So we had to start with y'all. Right on cue from Chicago, talking ish. It is the big. What's good, America? What's good? What's good with your big flow show? Um, with your central time zone self, and then we got on the eastern. On the Eastern Time Zone, we got ETP. What's up, Elster producer? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm noticing that more and more <laughs> you used to have a variation of hats, but now you got the Celtics hat has become a fixture. And we're Celtic get season. The Celtic season. As, <laughs> you don't know, cream it, don't go with, with green, but that's okay. Yeah, um, it's gray, yeah, son. I, yeah, man, I'm colorblind. I guess. I'm <laughs> I'm not loving the fact that I got to see the Celtics season because I'm a Miami Heat fan. We're going to get into that. I guess we're going to bury the lead. What happened to the Heat this shit? They, did they make the playoffs? This, this, <laughs> this episode is called Photo Finish. They had a photo finish, game seven, with a shot that we're going to talk about. So if anybody wants to hear my take on Jimmy Butler's shot, just stay tuned. But we're going to get into that a little later. We got to get into some other stuff, man, because we noticed yesterday. I, I absolutely noticed that. The, the, the tune has changed when it comes to Brittany Griner. Here on the Ballhawk Sports Talk, we have been very adamant. We have been very consistent with saying, free Brittany. Sometimes when I'm really upset, I end it with, you know, 
another word. I'll go ahead and say it. Free Britney, bitch, because she should be Free home. Britney, bitch. Free Britney, <laughs> Rick James, bitch. Hold on, man. Hold on, hold on, hold on. That's when I get Who really into it, man. Who's the bitch in that sentence? I, just I don't know. know. Whoever, whoever, whoever okay. does not want to talk about it. Because just so that everyone knows, he's not referring to Britney. I'm not referring. I'm definitely not referring to Britney okay. there. I'm just, telling you know, those who listen. Never, you can never clarify too much. You're right. Uh, anybody that listen, we have to do more to free Britney, and that has now seemed to be contagious. More people are talking about that the NBA has embraced the fact that there needs to be a free Britney campaign. Carmelo Anthony in last night's first uh, game in the finals did at least two commercials that were or infomercials that were specific to Britney Griner. Uh, there's now a petition that's being circulated that is uh, aimed at getting the White House to make this more urgent. And to date, I think it's roughly 240,000 signatures uh, on this petition. And so it seems as though, finally, what we've been doing here at the Ball Hawk Sports Talk consistently for the last several months. She has been detained since February. So for the last several months, we have made it our business to say, Free Britney! It seems like others are, are joining in the chorus of Free Britney, and the song is getting louder. And hopefully that means that we will be getting some resolution to this sooner than later. I don't know if anyone wanted to comment on it. Like we, we have really exhausted this conversation over and over again, week in and week out. We think Brittany Griner, if you substitute Brittany Griner with anyone uh, in almost any other professional sports, there will be an uproar. And she checks the box, if you will, so many unique and underrepresented communities that I thought there would be an uproar, but indeed there has not. So it's good to see. Go ahead. I've heard some mixed reviews. So now we didn't even talk about this in prep, but they're talking about doing a trade. They want to give like a terrorist for Brittany. I think that's like a first round, two first rounders and whatever for, I don't know. I don't know if I, I think we should give up a terrorist. Are they but not know. a terrorist, like the, one of the biggest arms traders there in the world. And, and the joke has been we're going to trade a shooter for a shooter, uh, which for a big, you know, we're going to trade a shooter for a big, shooter for a big. <laughs> and um, I, I hate to make light of it, but I don't know if I really want to give up this dude, man, for, for Brittany. I mean, look, they got to let her go eventually, right? They're probably tired of seeing it. I, I want her out. I don't want to make too much of a joke. I want her out. I don't want to give up nobody who kills folks for her at this at some point. You know, Runs, I, mean? I think the the largest arms trade in the world or something. Something his impact on how guns get to violent parts of the world. He's like point person number one. He's John Stockton dishing it out. He's dishing yeah. out arms all over the world. So it seems Great. a little maybe a year from now, but I don't know. We got to find somebody else that they want. Do we have anybody else? Somebody who like I don't know. I don't, feet, know. I don't know. Something. But doesn't it feel good that, that it's now a mainstream conversation? Because it Brittany is, Griner I, being, I don't know if we should try. I just I've been hearing a lot of mixed reviews from the community. Like it went from not being talked about. The more it's being talked about, I feel like there's more of a lack of support. Um, and again, I'm, I'm on the free Britney train. But a lot of people say, "Look, why are you why are you bringing weed over there?" And uh, actually trying to smuggle weed out of the country, which is absolutely silly because it's weed everywhere you want here so you you beat you beat them they were like cartridges they were car just to be they were vape cartridges but reefers, reefers. i don't care i'm old it was reefers well what it was it was it was the reefers how you get that how you get reefers in them little, them little cartridges <laughs> so he brought she brought it there smoke it all and leave it 
Souvenirs. There's got to be some kid over there that really could appreciate it. If she some looked kid, at we hope not. We are not. You know, when you go to the third world countries and stuff, you leave your shoes and stuff for people. She should have left the she, she should have left the weed for some one of the kids over there <laughs> to smoke or whatever. Hey, let's not act like they're not smoking weed in your neighborhood. Don't be looking at me like that. <laughs> they smoking weed. That's all they do out here, smoke weed. Somebody would have been happy to get that little weed. She tried to bring it back because she ain't want to see. Well, you the real issue is we're not paying enough. Twitter? Are you talking about ain't paying enough where some professional athlete has to try to. She can't leave her staff. Sell weed in Russia. She tried to go to weed, sell the weed in Russia. She come back. She felt like she had to smuggle cartridges back here because they're not paying enough. That's the real I, the I bottom feel like, line. I feel like that community is, has swayed you a bit. You were on the free Britney train, but if, if I'm listening closely, I still want to free. But sometimes, you know what? It threw me off when we started talking about trade terrorists for her. I was, I don't know if we trade terrorists for her. that's. Come on, are they again? Are they being mean to her up there? I know she's in there. She probably not getting all. Her. You think let, the detention itself is not mean enough. You you you, you want to make sure that her her accommodations. Did they, did they let her smoke? That. Were they letting her smoke in there? What they, have you heard any reports about that? I don't know. Great question. Uh, Big flow show. Look, man, you you about to you about to convince me that you ain't on the Britney train no more, man. Come I'm on, man. I know Black Twitter. Black Twitter has abused this this topic. And I, but but now she black a black woman. She's a member of the LGBTQ community. She's a member of the elite basketball community. The woman won the, uh, do they still call it Naismith? I don't know what they call it. The best player in women's college basketball. Is the Naismith player as well? She won that award. God, that is That's essentially the Heisman of basketball. And yet there has been very little discussion. She, been, she, been, she has been detained since I think like February 17th or 12th, something. A long time. And then Black Twitter is taking her to task saying she was dumb for taking the hashish, trying to take the hashish out of the country. Uh, ETP, I'll, I'll give you the last word on it because it seems as though there has been a, a, a 180 shift. Everyone's talking about it now. It's a little more mainstream of a conversation. Does this mean she's coming home? Or does this mean that Russia, Putin, and the people who make decisions over there feel as though they really can get a terrorist, an arms trader in exchange for Brittany Griner. And it just become more of a political debacle, if you will. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's terrible timing for her. Just, you know, she got caught with this or allegedly or whatever the situation is. And then a war pops off. So it's it's unfortunate. I think I mean the, the thing for me that's crazy is more just that it was like don't say anything, don't right. make it Russia angry, nobody's mentioned it, and that I think has been you know the biggest the biggest issue. But the thing about it is she's been there for almost four months, and now I mean she's still got I think two or three weeks because her her trial got uh continued or delayed. So trial. I think her trial. Yeah. But I mean, it's crazy. It's all crazy. She could she could be actually looking at ten years. Like the idea of her coming home or bringing her home and saying that she's wrongfully detained, it, it is questionable because if the laws are what they are, it's just crazy that you could get ten years for weed anywhere in the world in today's day and age. I could go to a store not more than a few miles from my <clears throat> house and buy some weed. 
I can grow weed in my house. It's been like that though. I mean, think of Amsterdam, you could you could smoke weed forever. And we've been there's so many brothers locked up for, for possession of weed right now. So it's it's you gotta fight on them. I feel bad. I want her. I'm sorry to cut ten you years, keep, ten years for a cartridge. We just can't trade a terrorist for her. I don't I don't I can't do it. Big All these people getting killed is, and stuff, be like, bro, Britney's home. You got off the Britney train. Big Flo, you was on the train with us. You got off. It does, I'm, just, it does I'm not, not saying I don't want her like home. I'm just saying we train. can't give up this arms dealer for her. So that's your biggest gripe. Yeah, but I do want her home. She, I think, right, you so know what? I think sometimes if we talk about it too much, we we, we up in her trade value. Because until we start talking about it, they weren't trying to get no draft picks for that. They were just doing it for some cash considerations probably. But now all of a sudden they're looking like, hold on. They, they actually like this chick. Let's see if we can't get us a couple uh, draft picks out of the deal. I'm not interested in that. Yeah, I I hope that she comes home soon. You want to give up the terrorists? I don't want to give up that 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 terrorist. No, I might <laughs> give up a terrorist, but someone that has literally been the get a new for the entire underworld. No, a drunken disorderly, a Russian. We got to have at least one Russian is arrested for a drunken disorderly. We'll give him up. It's no. sad though because. It is lose lose. If we don't talk about it, our government continues on, and we've got several issues to deal with. It seems like every other week there's some mass atrocity by way of gun violence here, and the senators are focusing on whether or not they're going to be any reforms in terms of our, our, how we how we allow people to access guns. So that's topic number one. And meanwhile, as topic number one continues to change, Brittany Griner is still detained. Um, so the more we talk about it, you're, you're right, the more it becomes center stage. And the more it becomes center stage, the more the trade value goes up. So I don't know. I'll, I'll, we, we can leave it there. But, I, but I it's not it's changing just, anything. If we don't talk about it, she's detained indefinitely. And then she maybe serves 10 years. If we do talk about it, then we de decline offering up a trade for a, a convicted arms dealer and she does she stays and is detained and maybe does 10 years like what's the difference i can't answer that i'm still on the britney train we gotta ask one of the defectors the big flow <laughs> show what's the difference i just you, feel like maybe if defected. we stop talking about it they're gonna let her go because she probably you know what i mean like it becomes no big deal they, remind like, oh, me if I them. ever go to jail. Remind me, don't use my phone call for the right. big flow show. I feel like no, you shouldn't have did it. You shouldn't you have more, did that. You more important. You get no t-shirts, big flow. Straight no, up. Gonna, no free B Brown t-shirts. You're gonna hit me with the man. You knew you weren't supposed to do that. I, I don't hey, need that comment. I don't know, need that speech. I right put now. some on your books though. You got <laughs> you think I'll you take that. maybe hey, you think she got they got books in in uh in Russia? I think if they books. got books, they uh, gotta the, have commissary. The, the CEOs are using all that money in Russia. Everything is crooked. You emails. Yeah, they're gonna be like, "Yes, you could put something on her books." Right yeah, there. Please, please <laughs> make sure it's our currency. Make sure it's ruble. Ruble. <laughs> this shit. Um, shit. Look, man, we make light of it because there's nothing that we can do about it. I am not a defector. I don't know if ETP is. I'm absolutely okay. certain that the Big Flow Show is gone. He's off that train, Brittany. Do not write or call the Big Flow Show because he ain't responding. Don't, I signed the petition. 
You signed a petition. I would take that. You signed a petition. In my heart. Well, let's get Brittany Griner home, y'all. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's definitely lying. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 I swear lying. ATP was going to ask a question about how. <laughs> what did the petition look like? <laughs> what did it look like? What, which, it was all mine. Line did you sign? I think I put my name beside it. It was long time ago. <laughs> you, you signed it in spirit. You signed it as B. Brown. Right, straight up. <laughs> Just in case somebody's watching. Oh, I'm going to sign your name. Uh, let's hop into some other WNBA stuff because Brittany Griner is missing games. But that's the least of her worries. The WNBA season continues. And now there's conversation that the NBA, WNBA rather is going to expand by two teams. And um, by 2024, they're expected to have two teams, obviously create the balance between the two uh, different conferences. You got to expand by two teams. The cities that are in contention are, drum roll please, we have Philadelphia. Toronto, Portland, Nashville, Oakland, and San Fran. Any city that you think would be particularly perfect for another WNBA team out of those six? Philly, Toronto, Portland, Nashville, Oakland, and San Fran. I think Nashville, you erase it right off the bat just because of the conservative nature. I know Nashville is the liberal part of that state, but, you know, and considered a music place and all that, but I don't think of Tennessee as being a very open state, and the, you know, sort of. I think Portland is 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 perfect. Per- Portland, I say San Fran is perfect. I say Oakland perfect. and Toronto. East Oakland, West. Toronto. Is Toronto is Canada pretty liberal in general? Yes, relatively. I was in but they got there's Drake, there's son. Hmm? <laughs> they got Drake. They got Drake, but. Uh, <laughs> If Drake Portland, makes magic. This, I saw a special. They have this bar, sports bar that only plays women's sports. I thought that was kind of interesting. Kind that of cool. I can't Where's that at? It's in Portland, Oregon. And there's Portland, Portland's got to be number one on the list. I've never heard that. A, a, a sports bar that only plays women's too. sports. I can't what it was, but it was cool. It was just an all women's sports bar. Um, you know, frequented mostly by women, but at the same time, you know, I'm sure men are going there too. But I just thought it's a great idea. So Portland probably would be a perfect place for it. Um, I was surprised that Miami's not on the list because Miami had a team at one point. But we struggle enough fielding the teams that we have. People have other things to do. They on South Beach. They got to let their feet air out with their little designer V-necks. They ain't messing with no sports like that. And add another sport that's already trying to very, very aggressively trying to bring in new, new fans i don't know if, if miami be the place for it i was disappointed to see miami wasn't on the list well you 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 ruined it the first time you don't get a second shot there. you can't you can't keep the team in an operation i think oakland is a good opportunity because golden state got moved out of the out of the oakland over to san francisco mm-hmm. obviously dub nation super super committed fan base and it's on the west coast so they could use another they can use another team there um and then, yeah, like I said, Toronto, Drake will Drake will promote everything and anything. So I think that's a good opportunity. Philly could be a good one. You know, Philly's a good basketball town, but Philly throw tomatoes. It's a small market. If they lose. What's that? Philly's mean people. They'll throw tomatoes at the women if they lose games. Hey, hey, that's what we want. We want equality, baby. Every athlete's got to undergo that in Philly. Home away it don't matter. They throwing they throwing tomatoes at everybody. Refs. Uh, uh, Fans in the front row, Philly fans are equally crazy. So I, 
I, I think I'm, I'm taking Nashville off. Any of the five other cities seems to make sense for me. Um, the WNBA is not the only uh, organization, not the only business that's thinking about expansion. The NBA is as well. Um, the two teams, excuse me, the two cities that have been targeted as the expansion opportunities are Seattle and no surprise whatsoever, Las Vegas. Um, and we hear that the same week that we hear Phil Knight offered $2 billion to buy the Portland Trailblazers. And Portland said they're not for sale. If you offer me $2 billion, if it wasn't for sale prior to you offering me $2 billion, it's going to be for sale. That $2 billion for an NBA franchise that hasn't won in a long $2 billion time. for anything. <laughs> Whatever you want. $2 billion, you sold. Sold. Two billion sold. I, you couldn't even get the, the the rest of the world out, the word out. You said two billion, and I saw that you were forming your lips to say billion. So that I, I gotta sell it, man. Um, but who, Portland obviously is not to sell. Who owns the team now? Uh the Microsoft gentleman passed away, so I don't. So he know had to leave it to somebody. Means. So their bread is so fine; it doesn't matter. Because you got to have a lot of bread for someone to say two billion. You're like not interested, like. They Who's not interested Portland in Portland remains billion. not for sale was the response to that $2 billion offer. Portland it's remains in a trust not now. Yeah. So. It's in a trust. I, I, I got to find Ancestry.com, see if there's any lineage I could put <laughs> something. You know what I mean? If you got any, any, any shred of. Hey, they say I got something in me. I don't know. I got to run, run it again. Run it again. Let's run see. that back. Um. There is an NBA player that could possibly be in contention because for the first time ever, we have an active, an active athlete still playing, still doing his thing, still putting up numbers. We have an active athlete that has been deemed a billionaire. None other than LeBron James. LeBron James has been deemed a billionaire while still playing ball. So, Arguably, he could be in talks to go buy the Trailblazers. Lakers might be a little too expensive. He might go want to stick to Sacramento, Portland for a billion. To be a billionaire, he could be in the running. But shout out to LeBron James, man. Here on the yeah. Ball Hawk Sports Talk, where I, B. Brown, ESQ, a.k.a. the Ball Hawk, a.k.a. the Michael South, a.k.a. Mr. Excessive Celebration, a.k.a. Breezy, have taken personal shots, have been a self-proclaimed hater at times of LeBron James. How dare I not give props to this black man? You know what oh, makes this... Go ahead, uh, man. No, I was going to say, you know what makes this even more impressive? Because it's not like he's been the highest paid athlete in salary for this period of time. You know, you've got Messi, Ronaldo, like soccer players that are getting deals, like crazy deals. And they got I don't. I think Messi's maybe worth like six hundred million. Ronaldo probably a little bit less than that. So it just goes to show his business acumen and his ability to operate outside of sports to be able to be a billionaire. Because it's not. It's not just coming from the salary that he that he's making in the NBA. Granted, that's a lot of money, but in comparison, you know what they're getting over. You know, in Europe for. Your global football or soccer right. is no comparison. So it's a it's really a testament to how he's built his entire business portfolio on the like 
through the momentum of his, you know, his athlete Agreed. brand. Agreed. Uh, here on the Ball Hawk Sports Talk, where we absolutely bring together sports business entertainment. Sports business entertainment, this is where they collide. We have to tip our hat to someone that has shown the business chops, the business prowess, the business acumen to take what he has made with the respective teams. Yes, he's played with a lot of them. I say that as a hater. Uh, yes, he should have stayed in Miami. I say that as a hater. Uh, but yes, he's also been able to turn that into wealth. And I say that as someone who acknowledges uh, just how exceptional that is. First ever active athlete, professional athlete, to be deemed a billionaire. Shout out to LeBron James, man, for representing uh, to not, not not only represent as a family man and, and being sort of a, a, a perfect example of what it means to be to be focused, man, grounded, solid. He's been a family man since he came in. At 18 years old, he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. He had the expectations that were out of this universe, and yet he delivered on all of them and continues to deliver on all of them. So as a LeBron hater at times, I also have to acknowledge that he has been an exemplary model of what it means to not only uh to build a family but to build real wealth man so shout out to him man as a billionaire um and uh i know y'all gonna call me on it eventually because i do go into my lebron hater rants uh but in this episode of photo finish man uh there is no photo finish when it comes to his success man it's a very clear uh um uh, uh, undergoing that he has taken and he's been able to do it and Shout out to him, man. Respect to him. Uh, I'll be remiss if I didn't at this point ask everyone, please like, comment, share. Please like, please comment, please share. Please tag a friend. Please tag a foe. Please tag anybody that you know, and please subscribe to both our YouTube channel and to the podcast. That's right. We're asking all of those. None of that's going to cost you no money. Most of it is only going to cost you about three or four seconds. But it will have an impact on what we do, and you'd be helping us. So we ask you kindly to like, comment, share, tag a friend, tag a foe, tag anyone that you know, and please subscribe. All right, let's hop into some other NBA news, man, because LeBron being a billionaire is big news, especially on the ball, sports, talk, where sports, business, and entertainment collide. Uh, that is big news. A billionaire, don't you pay, hey, you call him whatever, as long as you end it with billionaire. So every time I'm hating on him, I say, Look, man, you're a little flop up billionaire. <laughs> I can't believe you keep chasing championship billionaire. You shouldn't have left the Miami Heat billionaire. You're getting old and your hairline is all the way back billionaire. Whatever you call LeBron, make sure you end up a billionaire. He deserves that type of respect. I love um, how you were able to get all that off your chest and insult him by trying to compliment him. That was that was clever. Like I did that. Yeah, you had a, you had a, you unloaded the same you time, the clip. You, you, you not only insulted him, but you also gave his response to you about why he gives a shit about right. you. Right, so, you just had a conversation right. like, with yourself. Yeah, like he, that actually should be his answer. You should go on an interview and they start asking some tough questions. Just say billionaire, billionaire with a B. You feel this hurt your legacy, billionaire. <laughs> you feel like, yeah. Yeah, hey, LeBron, why did you take that shot, billionaire? Yes, billionaire. I agree with you. Because there's some things you just ain't gonna be bothered with with little little measly thousandaires. I'm a thousandaire. So, I'm a multi-hundredaire. Right. But that's how I'm you multi. know there's a long way to go with hair technology because he's got enough money that if there's availability to, to figure out your wig, it'd be done. 
So I was selling mine. There's a Nick market Wright opportunity. But Nick Wright did it. Nick Wright got a whole full head of hair. Nick Wright was so it's not it's not how much money you have. I guess it's who Nick you know. Nick Wright got off season. He got, he got <laughs> he sure did get a lot of hair, didn't he? Nick Wright got a lot of hair. Obnoxiously amount of hair. Got, <laughs> yeah. Like like Dion got his plugs and he just got his hairline back. Nick Wright got a, a, a afro like a, a Nick a, had me believing to he be got a mane. He always he got a lion's mane. Just decided not to. <laughs> That's annoying. That's I'm like, case. bro, that's too much. You went too far. Nope. If I, <laughs> if I was to get the... plugs, I'm growing dreads. No doubt. I'm not, why would I stop at a regular haircut like far. you? Notice? Look, we said with all these Brazilian butt lifts, at some point it's too far. Nick Wright shouldn't have a, a man bush. That man got sure a whole does. afro now. <laughs> you can't go from that where you were to where you are. And like, come on, bro. Like, at least make it believable. Make it credible, dog. That's all I'm saying. Own it. No, I love him. That's off Nick Wright. Own it, dog. Don't try to be subtle. They're like, oh, I ain't going to notice I got this hairline. Nope. <laughs> Dreads. What'd you do? I bought it. It's hot, ain't it? Sooner or later, they'll forget what he look like. Hey, look, I, I forget the sometimes. I watch Nick Wright. Like, Being spoken like a true bald head. That's not dude. his hair. What am I talking about? Being bald headed, talking about what you'd rather be. Don't say that when you don't have choices, Bib. And I'm on, I'm on your same club, but you can't. Scott Bib said, I'd rather be bald with money than hairy and broke. But you ball, you don't really have a vote. We can't say that. We can't speak up with you. That's <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, man. It, 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 but I will say this with LeBron, whether or not he has a hairline, and I did hate while trying to compliment, and all seriousness, respect to that brother, man, because it's hard. It's hard to navigate the normal challenges of being a professional athlete you multiply, you multiply that infinitely when you talk about the pressure put on his back. It's hard to navigate the business deals and making the right uh, moves and concessions, not only to get what you're worth from a market value, but make sure there's enough money out there to build a competitive team. He's done that several times. And then to be able to take that, that income that the teams are paying you and turn that into wealth and turn that into real business development is even harder and in all three levels he's been able to do it so while i'm gonna hate just because he's not a miami heat player anymore and he hurt my heart by leaving so i'm gonna hate i'm also gonna support i'm also gonna celebrate what he was able to do man so shout out to lebron for being the first active athlete to be deemed a billionaire with a capital b shout out to you big dog Keep doing your thing, man. And if you ever want to loan somebody some money, I'll figure out how we can do it, and I'll take it. Um, the NBA playoffs, because LeBron happens not to be there anymore. Still hating that. See how I did that? LeBron happens not to be there anymore, but there are two He's teams. busy left. counting his money. He's busy counting that money. I ain't in the playoffs, billionaire. Um, but there are two teams that are left, and then there were two. Before we get into the finals, because game one was last night, let's take a step back and talk about the Eastern Conference Finals because there was a game seven. The, the two most beautiful words in all the sports. Game seven. There was a game seven. And we last had this discussion on a Friday when game six, Miami Heat were in a must win. They had to go to the Boston and win, and they did that. And great game six, uh, things that legends are made of from a resilient standpoint and being able to bounce back and, and, and fight and earn a game seven in Miami. 
But if you look at Game 6 and Game 7, and I talked about that series being an old-school Eastern Conference series, it was a reminder of what used to be. And both teams, I humbly believe, both teams did exactly what I thought they were going to do. They both showed out in terms of toughness. It was a defensive of, of series in terms of a big player stepping up in big moments, whether it be Jason Taylor, Jalen Brown with the Celtics, or whether it be Jimmy Buckets with the Miami Heat. They did that. Both teams deciding that they will not be back in the corner. They were going to come out fighting. They did that. In both game six, Miami Heat had to do it in Boston. In game seven, the Boston Celtics had to do it with the weight of the world against them in Miami. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about how the series ended, but Miami went on a run. For those who did not watch it, they went on a run in game seven and were poised to take the lead. And about 17 seconds left, they're in transition after a good defensive stop. Miami makes a good defensive stop, and they're in transition. And Jimmy Butler, down by two, uh, after making quite a – were they down by one or down by two? They were down by two. They're down by two, yep. Down by two after making quite a run. Jimmy Buckets decides in transition when Al Harford retreating to defend the basket, he decides to pull up for a three-point. It's been that shot that has been analyzed over and over again, and it's that shot that I wanted to bring here to the Ballhawks Sports Talk and see what you guys thought about it. And this episode of the photo finish, it's exactly what it was, the photo finish. Not not only the fact that they made the game seven, but with that run and with that shot, you know, if he makes that shot, we're we're talking about – now, granted, Boston had enough time to get the ball, and we could see, you know, hypothetically, who knows what they would have done with that possession. But with that shot – Jimmy Buckets goes into a whole different category, the upper echelon of of, of, of PTP, primetime players, the upper echelon of big big shots and big moments by big-time players, Um, but yet he missed it. The analysis has been whether or not he should have gone to the basket and tried to draw a foul, get an and one, or, or, or chosen some other more conventional, more conservative, approach to that moment and as a Miami Heat fan I say hell to the no no I want my star player who but for Jimmy Jimmy Buckets Jimmy Butler but for Jimmy Buckets we're not in that position but for Jimmy Buckets we don't make that run but for Jimmy Buckets who paid all but two minutes in game six and game seven but for Jimmy Buckets we're not in the conversation in game seven I want that guy to shoot the ball and I'm okay with him missing it. I'm not okay with him not taking it. Am I wrong? People all week, and I posted this on my social media. Some said they've been more conventional. Yeah, but, yeah, but. Am I wrong? And I said something to the effect that average people have spent the entire day analyzing that shot because, on average, people spend their lives afraid to take the big shot. We spend our lives trying to stay within status quo. We spend our lives really fighting towards mediocrity. Is Jimmy Bucket's shot irresponsible or an example of how big timers, whether it be a basketball player, football player, whether it be in business, big timers take big risks. What say you, gentlemen? I think he... Look, Jimmy Butler had an amazing series, except for two games where he 
definitely checked out. But the last two games, I mean, he carried that team. So he earned the right to make or take any shot. So I'm not going to fault him for taking a shot, but I'm going to objectively look at it and say it was the wrong decision. Now, even if he makes the shot, he's not automatically the hero. There, I think there was like 17, 18 seconds on the clock. They would have been up one. And basically Boston holds for the last shot, possibly just wins the game anyway. So, and and you're talking about Jimmy Butler shooting 23% from three. You're talking about Jimmy Butler, who is the master of going to the bucket strong and getting an and one in any situation. So it he earned the right as a bona fide star, the leader of that team, lived the whole team in franchise lives and dies with his performance. So he earned the right to take the shot and you can't fault him for taking the shot, but it wasn't a buzzer beater. It wasn't a dagger. So even if he hits the shot, they have to defend on the other end because they're only up one. So in terms of the scenario, I'd live with it because if you don't live with it, then you're not accepting that he he got you that far. But right. It was a bad shot. The time it there was time on the clock. It's not his, you know, he's not Steph Curry. And it was rushed. So set up a play and try to get it done. Because it wasn't gonna, it wasn't gonna put the game out of reach. And there was enough time on the clock. Big flow show. I'm going to you and let me know what you think. Obviously, ETP and I kind of disagree on this one, and that's okay. So I guess you're gonna be the tiebreaker. What do you think? I know you got a little bit of bias because every time somebody leaves the Chicago Bulls, they end up being a great player. Like they they didn't call him Jimmy Buckets when he played for Chicago. They sure, called him by his real don't name. Don't do that. Don't do that. So now y'all made him. Yeah. I, I, hey, look, look. You know, the only the only nickname he got there is uh, Jimmy can't make the three uh, at the end of the game. <laughs> That's the only one that he got down there. He was Jimmy Buckets. He was every bit of every all that shit he learned in Chicago. He learned all that in Chicago. Well, that's how he got all that. Okay, he went what down there. We so gave y'all some, and now now y'all taking the nickname too. You think he takes the shot? I mean, you got time on the clock. You're in a tight game like that. You just too much theatrics. I think he got caught up in the fact in Chicago he would have drove to the hole because that's all we do in Chicago. We drive to the hole, right? <laughs> now you're in South Beach. You want to come up there? You're looking sexy. You don't want nobody touching him. He want to just stop with all that, man. Blue collar, drive to the hole. Too much time left. You drive. To, I don't know how much was on the shot clock. How bad was the shot clock? I don't remember. When he shot the shot, hey, it was yeah, like it was 18, 18 seconds. Yeah. On the shot clock? It, there it was no shot clock. It was transition. Yeah, I mean, it's a terrible idea. So you're taking a three with all the time. <laughs> like you said, I had to go with ETP on this. I mean, all that time left. Dribble around. Make If you're going to do a three like that, leave it, leave it to be the end of the game. Don't throw up the shot unless he thought they were going to get the board. I don't know. I got to check the stats. What are they doing offensive rebound in that game? But I, I'm driving to the cup and scoring, but I'm not doing it with that much time left because even if you do that, you tie it up and you get a foul. There's too much time left. I think I, it's a mistake. Too much. See, I'm shocked. Now, mm-hmm. these two brothers that you are seeing, let me just set the lay, lay the foundation for y'all, Ball Hawk Sports <laughs> Talk family. The two gentlemen that you are witnessing. Don't disrespect me. Are, 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 that, are, that you are seeing, if you're watching us live, these two gentlemen have made major business moves and major moves in, in education and with their lives. And now they want Jimmy Buckets to play it safe. 
Didn't you hear us say that there is no ever play smart? No, different S words. Smart. Same thing. Those are same thing. Safe, smart synonyms. Safe and smart are the same in that situation. Disagree. Totally disagree. How is that? He doesn't. There's only one active player that is active athlete that has been deemed a billionaire. You can't play it smart and become a billionaire. The same thing is true on that court. You can't play it safe and play it smart and be considered the upper echelon, one of the best ever. Our basketball history, the NBA, how we discuss it in barbershops across the world, for those of us who still go to barbershops. That was for you, Big Flo. Pause. Yeah. Unpause. For those of us who still go to barbershops and have these arguments, our barbershop conversations hinge on moments by players that featured the wrong basketball decision, but they had the the nerve, I'll put it, in a PG-13 space. They had the nerve to take the shot. Jimmy Buckets had the nerve to take the shot. We need more of that in America. We need to stop working towards mediocrity. Jimmy Buckets, uh, uh, on the day before Memorial Day, was an American legend by taking that shot. He just happened to miss it. But it wasn't, that now was not the shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now he's a fisherman. Now he's trying to get on the angling tour. What are you doing? So all I'm saying, that shot was definitely not the shot, the decision of uh, of, of, a, of a future billionaire. That was more of a shot. What's what's my man's name? He played with LeBron in Cleveland and, and uh, didn't go up for the shot. He thought it was winning. J.R. Smith. That was a J.R. Smith move. <laughs> You're shooting 25% from three-point line that game. You've been dead all day. You decide to check your, to do a heat check with a game on the line of 17 seconds. It's 25% from the field. You knew you weren't going to make that shot. Which, yeah. Well, you guys, I'm not as mad. It's the Miami Heat fans that I'm not loving now. Throwing that man under the bus. You should have never took that shot. Oh, Shut yeah. up. Well, that's why you yeah, got to live with it because he, you don't get a chance to live or die with that shot without everything that he did to get them there. So he... He built it up. He can destroy it. So you can't, you know, if you fault him for that, then you're taking away the credit that he got you there. So it is if what it is. You know what, shot. though? I got the outcome that I was looking for because I ain't about to win. So I'm glad he took the shot. <laughs> you know what? That's Hater Nation. Look, yeah, I said it lucky just, they even got that told, close. You ought to rewind the tape, play the tape. I predicted before when the playoffs started who would be in the championship. And so they're there because I predicted it. And that's why he made the best shot because of me. I, I predicted that Miami would win and I was wrong. So as a sportsman that I am, I congratulate ETP and the Celtics world for winning game seven, for coming out on top of the photo finish and advancing to the finals. I, I tip my hat to you and say congratulations because that's what we do and Heat Nation. We'll be back. If you look at how many times we've been in the thick of things with the very short, short number of years that we've been a franchise, we've been there a lot, baby. We've been there a lot, so we'll be back. Congratulations to Boston. I, I as, as, a, as a man who, who prides himself on sportsmanship, I, I tip my hat to you. Sunday was a tough day of basketball because you talk about photo finishes. Uh, our head coach for the AAU program was trying to go pick up a kid and make it back from Baltimore. So long story short, I had to coach the team and try to get us to the final four in a very, very, very competitive Memorial Day tournament. 
And long story short, man, we lost on a kid. Well, our kid missed a free throw. We went up. It was tied. He hit the front end of one on one. He missed the second shot. They had a monster on their team. Got the rebound. Went the length of the floor. Shot a layup to win the game. And then Sunday night we lose on that shot. So uh, if you emailed me, if you texted me, if you mm-hmm. called me on Sunday, chances are I didn't respond. Cause man, that was a tough day of basketball for me um, with the photo finishes. But yet, like like what they say, I I rise. I don't know what I don't know what the, the poem is. I rise. Yet I rise. <laughs> Some, 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 I rise. I rise. Whatever it was, I rise. That part I remember. (laughs) Sorry, Maya. But I rise. Maya Angelou, I just messed up the whole poem. But yet I rise. And so, and and now that I'm arisen, I can watch from a fan standpoint these finals. Game one last night, the Celtics are down 12. Going into the fourth quarter, they go on a run of all runs and shoot the lights out. Steph Curry, I think, ties an NBA record with six threes made in the first quarter, um, but not enough. The Celtics get hot, whether it, it was well, Al Hartford, uh, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown. They just got hot. They they could not miss. They went on a run that was unmatched, and they win game one in San Francisco. First ever finals NBA Finals game in San Francisco. Now they moved from Oakland. Uh, is this sort of the sign of what's to come in this series? We knew that the Celtics were a defensive team. I didn't know that the Celtics get hot like that. They got, I'm talking about, fish grease hot in the fourth quarter. We thought that that Golden State was a team full of shooters, but Boston showed that they can shoot too. Or is this an outlier? To get that hot in game one says either one or two things. We expect that they'll be a little closer to, to, to average or normal going forward. Or is this just how they're going to shoot throughout the the, the, the series, and if so, I don't know if Golden State wins um, because the Celtics only play one way on the defensive end. The, the sort of the the um, the variable that we didn't know was going to be how they shot offensively. And last night, they dotted the I's across the T's as a shooting team. And what a quiet, quiet performance the Celtics in game one. What do you think happens with the series? I'll start with you, Big Flow Show, because something tells me the ETP is going to be a homer and say that they're going to sweep or something crazy like that. So I'll start with you, Big Flow Show. Watching game one, what does this make you think about the series uh, going forward? First, let me thank Tom Herzog for uh, busting up Maya Angelou like he had it in his pocket <laughs> and giving you, giving you your, uh, your poem. I so appreciate you know- that. Let, hold on, let me read it. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still, like dust, I'll rise. Man, that sounded like a good Heat fan right there. I appreciate that, Tom. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that, man. He's he's got more of an OKC. I don't know what kind of time you got to write that. I don't know what he did. But one of my future Northwestern parent brethren's there. Awesome. uh, Tom Herzog. show. Appreciate you for supporting. Appreciate it. Just throwing it out there. We're going to, you know, we might need you in production, pre production, we get you (laughs) some stuff. Uh, But I digress. Um, As we were discussing, I think that this is uh, – it's scary because you talk about how good the Celtics shot, but if you watch the first part of the game, you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe how well uh, Golden State is shooting. Steph hit six threes in the first quarter. I, I don't really think that the that the record should count when you lose. Like, that should – damn, you would have had a record had y'all won, but y'all lost. Forget about it here. The weird thing about watching that game, and I haven't really had many games where I've had uninterrupted 
watch it from start to finish every second of the game in these playoffs. Normally, I got to flip around or somebody asks me something. It, I just kept, when did this thing go bad? Like, I was like, wait a minute. At one point, I was about to turn it off because I thought Golden State blew them out. The next thing I know, I look up and they're within three, and then they got blown out. So I, the thing is, I feel like Boston, as much as I believe Golden State should win this thing, I'm looking at this like, okay, you're at home, you got the momentum, you're you're more well rested, you started off hot, and it just seems like the Celtics just kind of like figured it out and beat you. I would be really nervous if I would go to state right now. Yeah. To come out that well and have them just turn it on and, and switch it on you and beat your face at the end. Ooh, I don't know. I can't uh, I can't pick the series anymore. I gotta go back to neutral. I know uh, the heat's I, not gonna win, but besides that, I'm a little <laughs> Chicken, I'm a who's gonna win. You made you made a point about the adjustments that they made, and I think Ime Udoka, the coach from the Boston Celtics, in his first year, you know, uh, the last first year coach to 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 go this far and look this good was Nick Nurse with Toronto, the year that they upset Golden State. So I think Golden State, Steve Kerr, has an issues with these first year coaches because there's not a lot of film on his adjustments as a head. Is coach. that a stat now? Steve Kerr has horrible first-year coaches. That sounds so baseball-ish. Hey, look, last time he lost was with Kevin Durant. I know, but Kevin Durant, on. Toronto. I mean, oh, Nick Nurse was able to do. I mean, he do well against first-season-ending injuries as well. Is that a thing? <laughs> not because Kevin Durant tore his Achilles. Not because Clay Thompson went down and didn't play the first-year coaches. It doesn't it's because well it's the first-year year coaches. coaches. Hey, all I'm saying is this. Is that man last night made adjustments, and it seems as though when he made his adjustments, Steve Kerr did not have a counter to his adjustments, and maybe, just maybe, you know, Steve Kerr is he don't have enough film to watch. He made, he made, get him an email, ETP. Uh, we saw last night. I'm pretty sure you were smiling from ear to ear as the Celtics take Game One in San Francisco and do what a lot of people thought that they could not do. Now BPI. Uh, the quant jocks of the world said that uh, there's an 86% chance that the Celtics will win based on their defensive prowess and their scoring uh, as the season went on. So the quants have told us that the Celtics should be favored to win. But when it comes to the opinions of the people in the people's court, everyone has been saying the Golden State should win this going away. Um, as a Celtics fan, man, you watched last night. Let's try to have two hats on. Both as a Celtics fan, I'm sure that there were some emotions and you felt good watching them being back in this position. If they win this series, they now take the lead to be the all-time winning franchise again, uh, back from the Lakers. And so there's a lot of stake here in terms of the franchise as well. But then let, let's let's then look at it objectively as um, you know, someone who analyzes basketball, you know, on a, on a regular basis. What did you see and what does it mean going forward for this series? I, I'll throw it to you. Yeah, I mean, watching this game, it was Golden State did everything that they do well, right? Like Steph got crazy hot, hit threes. Celtics absorbed it, didn't break from that. They had an electric th- third quarter. You know, Golden State's third quarters are always like that's going to determine one way or the other whether they're going to break your back. And they absorbed that and then they came back. The other thing on the Celtic side that's crazy, which might be what threw off Golden State, is they won a totally different way. They have such 
versatility across their entire roster that when you say the Celtics got hot, the main scorer for the Celtics, Jason Tatum, was ice cold and led the entire game in assists. So they basically adjusted and changed up the way they operated completely to totally dismantle Golden State, who they did everything that they, you know, Steph Curry comes out, shoots the lights out. They're moving around, moving the ball, and they're, you know, they're pushing. So it's just it's just showing that in reality, as we've probably seen through the entire playoffs, is the Celtics are construct are constructed in a way where they are the most effective team on both ends of the ball. And really the only team that can beat them is themselves. Like they shouldn't have won seven games with the heat, but they they'll play sloppy basketball. They'll turn the ball over. They'll be undisciplined. And then that's when other teams that are good enough can actually turn the tide and, and actually, you know, come away with a victory. But if they stay disciplined like they were last night, I'm not going to say the golden state warriors dynasty is going to get swept. But it shows that they're gonna be in a tough up, situation. Though. No, you no, didn't I didn't up. bring it up. I didn't bring it no up. No one was thinking. No, no, no. That, you brought it Hold up. Hold on. That's not like true. B Brown mentioned mentioned that I might think that I might be talking sweet. <laughs> okay. And I'm okay. telling you, I'm not talking okay. sweet because this it's too good of a an organization, a franchise, like and you. team. Talk about him later. But if they but if they can stay disciplined in the ways that they were last night and take those punches from Golden State. Golden State gave them pretty much the best they had, and they still won by 12. And they outscored them by 24 points in the fourth quarter. Most lopsided discrepancy in points, I think, ever. Something crazy like that. And it didn't even, like, start the whole fourth quarter. It's like It was like the way the fourth quarter was still going Golden State's way. And then they just hit a button there. But you, Golden you State said- has no answer for Al Horford. Al Horford changes everything because once you put bigs on the on the court for Golden State, their offensive prowess declines dramatically. Kevin Looney's not shooting threes. They'll leave him out there. Draymond Green, Green Draymond Green's not going to give you a ton of offense. He'll hit it when he needs to, but he's not a go-to. So you got, you know, Al Horford. The versatility as the big man that hit six that he hit as many as many threes as Steph Curry last night, most in his career six three pointers. If they can stay, you know, consistent in that way, it could be a sweep. But I just don't see it happening. Golden State in six. <laughs> Look, man, not only Al Harford, you got Derek White, you got a whole bunch of people that were shooting well beyond their expectations, and you said that the Celtics. Um, can only beat themselves. I I, I think that the, the Miami Heat series went to seven because they get beat by teams that can play like them. And Miami Heat was able to take them to seven because Miami Heat, from a defensive standpoint, is just as aggressive. What Golden State's going to have to do in order to win this series is win on that side of the court. You're not going to outscore this team because defensively they're always going to push back. I knew Golden State was in trouble when you had uh, Steph Curry have an amazing first quarter, and yet Boston was still in the striking ring. I think they they were only down, what, four at at the end of the first quarter? I knew they were in trouble when the Golden State Warriors had their infamous third quarter bonanza where everything was going in, and yet Boston goes into fourth quarter only down 12. That's still in the striking range in the NBA. 
And, you know, any, anything under 20, really, you know, you, you get any, any, the closer you get to 10, 10 is basically two, three possessions, yeah. right? I got to score and stop you. And then 10 is we're, we're in a nail biter at that point. Only 12 points. They were only down 12 points after the third quarter that Golden State had. And I knew that, that at that point, it was going to take a valiant effort from Golden State in the fourth quarter to seal the deal. I didn't think that Boston would get that hot. I don't know that they're going to get that hot again in the series. Let's be honest. They haven't shot the ball like that throughout the entire that, playoffs. That's not true. They shot like that against Milwaukee not, in a couple games. Not Absolutely. With White hitting, not with Derek White hitting four threes. Not with Al Harford hitting six They threes. were hitting that many yeah. threes. And, and Derek White has been a monster from three in the last in the last he two has, games you against Miami. Every big game is is saying that that's his new playoff high. So the playoff high is telling you that he's never done it before, and yet, but as a team, they did it last night as though <clears throat> it was routine. And it hasn't been routine. Not shooting the ball that way, defending absolutely, getting rebounds absolutely. Right. We can going we can right go back toe to toe with the research nose, team. <laughs> Look, I mean, they, they, there's not a lot of NBA teams in the history of playoffs that have shot the ball like that. So I'm not trying to detract from what they did. I'm, I'm just, just saying, saying it's not, it, this is not something that just came out of the blue. They've been shooting and there's been sometimes to a fault, but they've been shooting like this throughout the series. And I know in Milwaukee, I, I would argue, I'll, I'll look it up, but they definitely hit at least 23s in a couple games. They have, they've had big shooting games. What I'm saying to you is those big shooting games have been have featured the usual suspects. This particular shoot, crazy shooting game, from a percentage standpoint, these weren't the usual suspects making these shots. And, and that's how they won, right? And that's how, let's be fair, Jason Tatum had all of those assists, 13 assists or something crazy like that. Is because people are making shots that they normally wouldn't make. Assist is, you know, both the function of, yeah, I, I found the open guy, but he's got to make the shot, and they did it this game. And I, don't, I just don't him. think you were looking. I don't think you were, you watched the Celtics play closely enough to because you're, you're making statements as if this isn't how they've played when they're on. This is how they play. They were hitting 18, 23s against Milwaukee, and everybody was eating. Not you know, Derek White wasn't even getting the minutes that he was back then. But he was still hitting threes. I, I, I am not. But you got to pair that with the fact that Golden State only scored sixteen points in the fourth quarter. Yes. Now, granted, obviously there's defense. You got to give some credit to that. But they started they started shooting real cold. Their jumpers just everything they were missing was shots. Out. It's a miss or make league. They were yeah, missing it's a make shots. Make or miss league, and normally they're going to make forty to sixteen in the fourth quarter. The momentum swung so hard. I feel like if there was a fifth quarter, it would have had to even back out. Um, I don't know. It's hard for me to call it either way. Draymond played crap. You know, he only shot, you know, made two shots. Usually he's up for a couple of big shots in the game. You know, Steph gets cold, and the problem with Steph gets cold and he keeps, you know, he was so hot in the beginning, he keeps shooting, yeah. keeps missing, makes long rebounds, turn uh, transition baskets. It, it's tough. 40 to 16 is an unbelievable fourth quarter swing. I don't know if they keep doing it. But you know what? We have a series. I, I, was, I, I subscribed to Golden State was going to beat the hell out of them, and I was wrong with that. I still think they're going to win the six, but it's going to be a battle. Uh, I think I agree with you there. We do have a series, but when you when you see Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard and 
you know, you got names and Marcus Smart just getting getting hot as he did. Um, for your yeah. sake, because yeah. I don't have a dog in this fight. I'd like to see you happy. I'd like to see you guys win this thing. Right? I don't want to hear all the Celtics propaganda about best friend. I don't want to hear that. But at the same time, yeah, it is what it is. The Celtics fans are going to be obnoxious no matter what, whether you win or lose. Um, but but all I'm saying is I don't think you can expect them to have those type of shooting performances going forward. You can't expect them to defend. You can't expect them to play together. You can't expect them to make adjustments on the fly because they've done it throughout the playoffs. You can't expect them to put pressure on whoever your top scorer is because they've done that throughout the playoffs. And, yes, they've had big shooting games. But the the dispersion of the shooting last night was just amazing to me. And if this is a thing, a, a sign of things to come, then I say the Celtics win this series. And, and you know, they'll be doing the, the ticker taker, ticker taper parade down whatever street in Boston. Because um, it's tough to beat that. If you're gonna if you're gonna play that well defensively, and then shoot on the other side that well, um, with all of the supporting cast, the others, as they like to say on TNT, the others showed out last night. They showed out, and with that, they can't be beaten. But a team that plays the same way, defensive uh, uh, aggression, and they can spread the ball around like Miami is the only team, like you said, they can beat themselves. A mirror image of themselves is the only way you can beat them. And Golden State has to get more people involved. Uh, Kayvon Looney has to be better, not only as a rebounder, but, you know, he's getting open layups and can't even catch the entry pass. You guys all know how I feel about Kayvon Looney. He has had some big moments in, in this playoff uh, year. Uh, and In the previous series, he had a, a, a two big games. You know what I mean? He had a 30-point game, which is crazy. But you have to do the bare minimum. You have to catch an entry pass and finish and stop getting your ball blocked by Jalen Brown on a transition fast break. You can't do that as a big because that has been and continues to be the weakness for Golden State. It has been their their front court, whether or not you're going to rebound, whether or not you get second chance points, whether or not you can finish a basic entry pass because the defense, Celtics included, has to extend when you're playing against Golden State. Your front court has to step up and make shots and be a threat. So Kayvon Looney, uh, as he goes, oddly enough, I think is as Golden State goes in this series. And we'll see what happens going forward. What did the, superstar, what did the superstar do? Who's the superstar? Wiggins. Wiggins. He did what he did. What did I he mean, do? Wiggins played well. Wiggins is, Wiggins is probably, <laughs> from a consistency standpoint, always gives them what they need. He's making shots that he needs to make. He's defending their best player, Jason Tatum. He was sort of out of it last night because Jason Tatum became a facilitator versus score. So Wiggins has no choice but to, to, to defend Jason Tatum. Wiggins was a little bit debilitated defensively because Jason Tatum became a facilitator versus score. Um, but Wiggins does what he does. He's pretty consistent. And so, you know, we can argue to the cows come home whether or not that makes him a superstar or not. But, you know, having him and the he kept older version in. of him, Andre Iguodala back in the lineup, was – you know, solid. They're going to be solid defensively yeah. too, but the dispersion was what got the best of them. Uh, the others stepped up and became superstars last night. By the way, they shot the ball. So, uh, I'll give what you guys game? one Saturday why, or Sunday. Why are you so surprised? That's how the, this team has been playing the whole playoffs. <laughs> When's the next game? Saturday or Sunday? Sunday. Uh, I don't Eight know. o'clock. Not too many days off. Sunday. Sunday. 
Well, they got to milk this thing, man. Sunday is a, a better <laughs> day for sports when it comes to TV viewership. So NBA got to get their bag, too. Uh, <laughs> they got a lot of people to pay. They got to get their bag, too. So we'll see, man. Uh, good luck to the Celtics faithful going forward. We'll see how it plays out. I know one thing. This series officially has everyone's attention. Uh, I think it at least goes six either way. Um, and because I don't have a dog in the fight, good luck to you, the Celtics. I'm not going to be a hater and root against you because you lost, we lost you in a, in a photo finish game seven. I'm not going to be a hater. I ain't going to do that. Uh, although a lot of Heat fans are right now. Let's get into some boxing, man, because Javante Tank Davis uh, put leather on uh, Raleigh Romero's chin on a counterpunch that ended up being a TKO in the sixth round. Uh, Raleigh Romero, when asked by uh, the referee to take a step to the right to show that he was <laughs> prepared to continue Cha-cha fighting. Slide. He almost tore his ACL. That's when we knew that his equilibrium was a little bit off. But after the fight, Raleigh Romero seemed to have a lot of tough talk. He had a lot of tough talk prior to. They sold wolf tickets and they sold a lot of pay-per-view subscriptions uh, on that fight. But Raleigh Romero saying that in his mind that he won all six of those rounds so there should be an instant rematch. I don't know how you say you won round six when you got TKO and your ACL. Until that point, you know, until that point. So I think <laughs> I think we can agree that at least he's wrong with at least one of those rounds. Let's say, <laughs> but let's give him five, right? And I've seen some of the uh, pugilist experts talk about uh, their card, and they said that Raleigh they had Raleigh winning four of the the six. So if that's the case, is he right? Does he deserve a rematch, or is Tank Davis right? Tank Davis basically laughed at him. He gave him that side eye, like, bruh, this ain't how this works. When, when, when you get knocked out, you can't call the shot. I, I'll let, I'll get back to you. My people will get back to you. I was willing to. If you wouldn't knock me out, I'd have beat you. If it um, <laughs> knock but Tank Davis has been notorious for starting slow. He, he likes to feel his, his opponent out before he uh, really gets in, into his game plan. Uh, so does, does the scorecard suggest Ryder Romero gets a rematch, or is Tank Davis right in giving him the side eye? Was it a good fight? And where does Tank Davis go from here? Um, because I think they're running out of fights. You know, the fight that everyone wants to see, I don't think anyone's going to see because it's too much at stake. Um, what do you think happens from here? Should Riley Romero get the rematch? If, I mean, if De- go ahead. Go ahead. If, uh, if Deontay Wilder can get a rematch against Tyson Fury after the debacle and punishment that he took after coming out dressed like black panther then it's an argument to give anybody he didn't get knocked out but it probably would have been more respectable if he did because the way that he got handled and he got a rematch so i say if but he he, went the distance and some would say (laughs) if he didn't have the equilibrium issue behind the ear bleeding out of the ear that that fight would have been even better look we, All right, so then if dude didn't called, get knocked out, then it would have been a good fight. Had he not walked in with a 500-pound <laughs> Cleopatra outfit on. Right. Yeah, but <laughs> look, they too. said he was tired, fatigued. Riley Romero, in this episode called the Photo Finish, the only photo finish element of this was you wanted to see that shot to his chin over and over again. The man looked like Martin in the episode with Tommy Hearns, <laughs> facing the track. rope, legs completely wobbled, I mean, that was a, a picture-perfect knockout. 
I don't think you can call a shot and get you a, a rematch right away. Matter of fact, I don't think you should talk for at least three weeks. You shouldn't say anything in the press for three weeks. Uh, Big Flo Show, do you think the man gets a rematch after getting laid out after becoming Martin? Not on his terms, but, you know, let him keep running his mouth and let him keep trying to beg for a rematch. Uh, Tank goes out, gets a couple other fights or, or not, do whatever. You got to milk. When you get uh, come up like that, you got to milk it in boxing, right? This is a hype game. You got to let it go, let it talk, make people go back and watch the old fight and wonder, what are you telling the truth? So he can, his job now is the hype man for the next fight. His purse has got to be small. The other guy sits there and, and enjoys this, but you don't you don't run right back into the ring with a guy and give him his bet back. You know what I'm saying? I don't right. I don't do that, man. You 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 walk away for a while, enjoy it, you let it build up some hype, and make people really want to watch the fight and uh, and do it. All I saw was the highlights, but you know what? If they run his he runs his mouth long enough and he keeps saying enough things, I might I might actually put my little 1995. Uh, I'm going back to the 80s prices, 295 dollars uh, to uh, to get the pay per view the next time, but. Keep running your mouth. You, I think it's it's in their both best interest to do a rematch um, to get to get the payday. Uh, but he does he deserve one? Who no, he's trying to get paid too. I'm not mad at him. He want to get that bread. Yeah, he, he want to get, get that bread. bread. But Shakur Stevenson should be who Tank Davis is fighting. But Shakur Stevenson, Newark, Brick City, represent. I wonder. Shakur Stevenson and Tank Davis are both at the prime of their careers, and. Th- and, and this is where, and we said it on this show, right? The Ball Hawk Sports Talk, where sports, business, entertainment collide. The sports aspect of boxing, unparalleled. We love boxing. That is the the the, the topic du jour when it comes to barbershop talk, right? Uh, when it comes to entertainment, nothing like it, man. A good entertaining fight. It's the the centerpiece, that business part of it, that makes it so much different than UFC. UFC, they want the best to be fighting the best at all times. It doesn't matter how many losses you have. Because a loss in boxing is career suicide. It's so detrimental to your overall um, uh, uh, um, business opportunities. A loss hurts your purse. It undermines you as a headliner on a ticket. One loss. But because of that, we are sort of cutting off our nose to spite our face. We end up missing out on so many good fights. We need to see Tank Davis versus Shakur Stevenson. And it's the fight that, while hypothetically it would be good, we might rumor that it possibly could happen. It's the fight that, because of where both of those fighters are in their careers, the fight that we almost know due to the business aspects of boxing, it's the fight that we almost know will certainly not happen. And to me, that's a shame when it comes to boxing. How many fights didn't happen because of the business? And this seems like yet another one that, w- that won't happen. So if I'm Tank Davis, yeah, let's go, Riley. Let's fight again. This time, I'm going to knock you out in the fifth. Instead of your right knee buckling, I'm going to buckle your left knee. I'll get paid a, a, a cool $3 million again. You'll take $2 million or whatever the case might be. And I'll keep on holding off on the inevitable. And then when the stakes are at the highest, but yet I've been paid enough to live handsomely no matter what, then and maybe only then will I take a fight like Shakur, Shakur Stevenson, Shakur Stevenson, and the boxing fans continue to miss out and lose out on what will be competitive fight. It's one of the, it, it's an interesting sport because the business undermines the competition. The business undermines what the fan fans want. 
the business of it prevents us from seeing good versus good, best versus best for so long until ultimately most of them are beyond their prime before they fight. It's a weird business, man, if you think about it. Whereas the UFC is the exact opposite. If you are even close to being one of the top fighters, they're going to put you in the ring with another goon. You got a chance to make your career out of it and propel yourself to the next level or, you know, just fight the next goon that comes. But it doesn't it, it, it doesn't seem to have the same business orientation that boxing has. I don't know if you guys had a, 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 a opinion on it one way or another before we miss we, before we move on. But I feel like boxing fans miss out on a lot of good fights because of the way the business is operating. I do. I think I do think that, you know, throughout history, um, you know, we've we've missed fights when they are right in their primes because of how bad a loss is, how, especially a stoppage loss like this happened to him. Um, it does ruin your career you know, it's about making money and they're probably the most overpaid athletes of all sports if, if we're honest right boxers if you think overpaid. about how i mean obviously it, it would take a lot for me to get punched in my face but less than a lot less than they get right <laughs> to get punched in my face but if you think about like a guy like a floyd mayweather goes in there and makes a hundred million dollars in a in a night which you know you take a guy like lebron that's that's two seasons two and a half seasons of money that he's got to go play for that hundred million up and down the court all day, all night. This dude goes out there pound one time. Pound. Minute for minute, hour for hour, what you're getting paid per hour. I got it. That's yeah, it's ridiculous when you think got about it. it. But, like, that's the business. That's the world. We, we're capitalist society. You got to figure out how to make that money. And it, it's the, the risk for both of these people. We can go on. Me and you are the two best fighters out. We can go on for the next five or six years and both become multi-multi-millionaires. Or we can fight once or twice make some big paydays and then one of us goes off into into a you know obscurity afterwards just for the record it would be you it would be you just just for the record that goes on and then you had to chill okay because <laughs> these these depth charges I got for you but you know what I'm saying you can't blame the people that are doing it and because the the governing body isn't there's uh, boxing is like non-existent so all they do is drug tests and suspend they don't really have like a league setup format where you can like force anybody to do anything it's all exhibition by nature you know it's no, nothing is is like a in, in some sort of a league yeah i think boxing would, would, would be smart to to bring something together and, and and do like a season where people had to fight each other and make it like a tournament style and every year you have a new one with the top 10 or 12 boxers fighting in some sort of a tournament you know every sport does that every sport has forced matchups and they have a champion that comes around the end boxing is really the only thing that has like just They've tried that. They've tried that with yeah. um, um, Al Heyman. I, I, I'll mess it up. So I, but they, they've tried the tournament style, but normally what they do is they take the second and third tier guys that their names are starting to be more popular in boxing, and they put those in the tournament. The top tier guys are just, you know, spending most of their career avoiding each other. ETP, I don't know if you had any final words on it, man, but the business of it seems to be undermining the competition of it, the purity of it, the attraction to it. Because, you know, Shakur Stevenson and Tank Davis ain't going to fight each other. But we all know that they probably are the, the, the two unstoppable forces that should fight each other. They'll conveniently, they'll blame it on weight, class, they'll blame it on whatever they want to blame it on. Um, but from a pound-for-pound pound standpoint, two very smart, defensive, but but exciting fighters, they ain't going to fight each other. 
And that's because of the business. ETP, I'll give you final word before we move on. Yeah, it's definitely because of the business. I mean, Floyd Mayweather essentially set the precedent and we could argue and debate about it all the time, but Floyd Mayweather fought on his terms. He fought who he fought, when he wanted to fight them, how it needed to work out. So in a scenario where it is to, you know, Big Flo's point of there being a league and being a season and being required matchups and tournament style or anything like that, maybe Floyd Mayweather doesn't go undefeated. Right. But he, he definitely architected his career, not saying he didn't, he, he didn't take any good fights or not saying that he didn't earn his victories, but they were business decisions versus let's look at this from a perspective of, I want to undoubtedly be known as the best fighter right now. Like, it took five years to fight Pacquiao. So I'm not surprised that this is the way the business is going now. And, and, there's, a, and there's not as much money to go around in boxing. So if you're at the top of the pyramid, Floyd you're not gonna, you it. don't want to get knocked back down. What's that? That's because Floyd has all of it. And people <laughs> said, hey, look, let's be fair. And Jake Paul. <laughs> boxing purists have said that Floyd ruined the sport because of the reality that you just described, ETP. Because he set a precedent. Because what precedent now, did he set? I think smart money, of, smart business. That's yes. the precedent that he set. <laughs> He's he like, did. if I'm gonna he get said, punched in my face, I'm gonna get the most money. Because you know what? Unapologetically, he he was not apologetic about it. He basically yeah. said that I'm gonna fight who I want to fight based on what the purse and what the draw will be, what the 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 the, the pay per view demand will be. That's why I'm gonna pick who I'm fighting. Not some old school 1983, I'm the baddest man in the park type mentality. I'm making business decisions. He was unapologetic and very public about it. That, no, if you want to fight me, first of all, you're going to be the B-side. I'm going to decide which fights I'm going to take. And it's going to be based on what this revenue stream looks like, not based on, you know, some pissing contest. Oscar and he was unapologetic about it. Some Golden say Go- that he ruined the sport because of it. Oscar De La Hoya didn't do that with Golden Boy Productions? Less so. Less so. He got into it further into his career. He didn't do that early on. Yeah, I mean, he fought. He him. fought. Let's just say Mayweather. Yeah, the fight that take. He didn't. He took that Mayweather fight. He did what Mayweather never did. Gave somebody an opportunity to dethrone him at the height of his career. Mayweather never did that. What about Ever. Zab Judah? What was Zab in his career? Zab was earlier in the career, but but and he was you know, never at the at the height. Like yeah, Zab, Zab wasn't ever. He was late with Mosley. Late with Mosley. But Mosley, they had a, a matchup with their weight classes, right? That's another thing too. You got it. We're not giving credit to uh, Mayweather's. You know, he was like a super fly monkey weight, whatever you want to call it, like a spider monkey weight, whatever at first, and then. <laughs> He got up and started to get I don't a know what bigger. it's called. I'm certain it's not that. The it's not that. But you know, he was so little and then he had to kind of grow. And I think a lot of people on the street, we don't have a respect for the the well, the difference five pounds of moving up weight classes in boxing. I mean, it's not like, you know, you see a guy who got you by five pounds on the street. You're not going to say, I'm scared to fight that guy. But like in boxing, five, 10 pounds is, is huge, you know? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. You know, he started off. I don't know what his weight class was, but it was a very unpopular weight class, small weight class when he started. And then he grew to be a little bit more into the mainstream. But even then, I think he was, you know, guys had to come down to fight him. He started in the 130s, ended up in the 150s. So I'll give you that. Over his 20-year career, there was a 20-pound delta in who he was fighting. Is that all it was? 
Yeah, yeah, over over that time frame. So I, I'll give you that. But at the same time, man, even cats that he did not have to adjust the weight class, I don't want to say he avoided them. He was just very business, strategically from a business standpoint, that's how he navigated his career. And, and he was public about it. But can you fault this man? Okay, me and you are going to go out there and do a debate, and I know I'm a bigger draw than you, and you're saying, I'll, I'll do the draw, but we have to do it on these microphones, and we got to get even even money. I'm not doing it for even money, just because somebody not, else wants to see it. Yeah, but it's but it was it's not just what the purse was going to be or what the payday is going to be. It was also like, what's my risk in terms of long term, right? Like, if I get knocked out, then that's going to hurt my money next time. Well, so he not was minimize the, the negotiation pieces that he had. So one dude wouldn't drug test. Another dude, like it was a glove thing. Then it was, this is all, this is Pacquiao. It was like a yeah. drug test situation. The I drug, did, did, whether or not they were going to do Olympic style drug testing. Drug testing. You said no to that. I'm not fighting anybody who's objecting to any drug test. I don't want to fight you. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? Like yes to everything. You either are on drugs or you're not. So you don't want to do the drug test. Uh, I think they fought, they talked about the ounce of gloves too. The weight, yeah, yeah. You wear the gloves. Then they're talking about the purse. Like I'm not giving on all these things just because everybody wants to see me do it because I have all the risk. I'm giving up everything to make obviously the public happy. He's already rich. You might not like Floyd Mayweather or whatever, but he's already rich and doing whatever he's got to go do. I'm not giving up risking this and risking that and have this dude come here on steroids and, and break my face because people say I'm dying. I guess, man. I get, but here, here, look. And and from a business standpoint, I celebrate what he was able to do. Beautiful. Brilliant. Bravo. But it's a combat sport that if I'm honest, and I look back to the mid-80s, early 90s, we celebrated the fact that guys would, were willing to step in the ring with anybody. And because it's a combat sport. It's like we were fighting and for him it was never just fighting so from a business standpoint beautiful but the purists who say he messed up the sport and now has relegated us to being patient and waiting on the fight that we want to see until someone's had enough fights enough what's let's call them business opportunities such that they are comfortable to to take the risk they're willing to take the risk now because i've had now four iterations of two or three million dollar fights now i'll fight you people say that, it, that he tarnished the sport because of it so i don't know interesting take all those people who say that were love boxing on the day with those where don king was was uh stealing everybody's money and whoever was before that and these dudes larry holmes broke. fighting 15 rounds larry holmes can't can't say uh, a simple sentence now. Yeah, so you know what? To hell with all those people, man. Hats off to Mayweather. Make your money. If he's gonna have, if he's gonna drool, it's gonna be into a diamond cup when he's loaded. If he's drooling on himself, and you know that's the way it should be. Everybody else, kick rocks. Yeah, kick all rocks. right. Um, let's go home with this, man, because we started off by calling this show "Photo Finish" uh, in the Prefontaine Classic. Elaine Thompson Hera won the 100 meter dash. Um, but the second and third place uh, in that same 100 meter dash, second and third place, um, they gave Shikari Richardson second place and Sharika Jackson from Jamaica third. It came down to a photo finish. They both ran a 10.92. Uh, 
Uh, Elaine Thompson, Harrow was out front with a 10.79. Uh, two things. Shakari Richardson, I think, proved that she's still a force to be reckoned with. She's going to be, if we have anybody, dismantle what is a dynasty with the Jamaican sprinters, the women Jamaican sprinters, if anyone's going to unravel that, it's going to be Shakari Richardson. No one else has a chance. Um, so that's the first part. Shout out to Shakari Richardson from bouncing back from all of the hoop law and the failed drug test uh, after her mom died and all of that. Um, Shakari Richardson in this performance showed that she's still a force to be reckoned with. But second, um, it went to the card. It went to the it went to the photo finish. It went to the picture, and it looks like if you just do a still shot, it looks like I got to be honest. It looks like Sharika Jackson won. Now they're looking at just the torso, but in the picture that has been circulated, you can't even see Shakari Richardson. All you can see is Sharika Jackson. The Jamaican track faithful, the supporters have said that this is outrageous, that she got robbed. They went to the thousandth of a second. So I think it was 10.9 to whatever the next number was. It was better than Sharika Jackson's 10.9 to whatever her next number was in the thousandth. But the picture seemed to show to me that Sharika, excuse me, that uh, Shakari Richardson lost to Sharika Jackson. Uh, very interesting how technology is playing a role in sports. We've seen it in basketball throughout the playoffs, how we go to these replays. And even sometimes then, because I didn't talk about that shot that was overturned, the true shot that was overturned in game seven with the Miami Heat, because I was trying not to be bitter. But it seems as though even when we go to technology, there's human error involved in it. Because as Miami Heat fan, it didn't look like his foot was on the line. I didn't look like his heel came down. As a Sharika Jackson fan, it looked like Sharika Jackson beat Shakari Richardson. So even with this technology, it looks like that they're still being failed. A photo finished. We all saw the, the photo before uh, the, the show started. Did Sharika Jackson beat her? And we just got that American bias, Shakari Richardson in the Prefontaine Classic in Oregon. They just gave her the nod because uh, old American bias. What did you guys think before we go home with our highlight reel stuff? What did you guys think about the 100-meter dash Prefontaine Classic? Did Shakari Richardson get the okey-doke by getting the victory, getting the second-place win over Sharika Jackson, despite what the photo showed? I think, you know, in society, we rush to judgment nowadays on the first video, the first clip the first picture. I need to see everything. I need to see what happened before the police showed up. I mean, sorry. I need to see what happened. <laughs> I need to see what happened first. The other angle, maybe she leaned forward and she knew she had got second. She leaned back. But you know, what I had to say is amazing is we're having a conversation about who took second or third. Isn't that weird? When's the last time you had an argument about who was the vice president? Who was the vice? You know what I'm saying? Like, the no one cared. The, the lady who won, we haven't even mentioned her name yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? She was way out the picture. She cleared it up. You never know. They showed you one picture. We're starving. Things can be doctored. In America, we are starving to finally be considered in that conversation of the fastest when it comes to 100 meter dash. Well, we're not. It's been a long time, man. That's why Shakari Richardson, that's why the buzz was so phenomenal prior to her her failed drug test, because we were finally relevant. The Jamaicans have been dominating us for so long on the men's and women's side, but especially when it comes to the women's. I mean, they like one through four. Their entire four by one beats our best our best sprinter. Uh, so Shakari Richardson, I think we're starving for it. And so uh, Jamaica, yet again, despite all the recent success and the dynasty they've had in the 100-meter dash with their women over the last several years, they still trying to take some from us. They trying to take the silver medal from Shakari Richardson. So stand up, America. 
uh, on the same week of, of Memorial Day. That's right. I'm saying that Shakari Richardson won. I don't care about what the photo finish says. I don't. I don't care what my eyes see. <laughs> Shakari Richardson got second. Uh, ETP, final word about this photo finish in the Prefontaine Classic, man. Before we move on to our highlight reels and get out of here for the day, what do you got, man? I don't know who won, but I think it's just good to see Shakari Richardson competing and like at an elite level because when everything happened before it was definitely questionable about the people around her you know obviously her getting caught up with the cannabis and then she had you know was doing all this stuff on social media and then she got these deals and she's young she had endorsements she got a, she's in the beats commercial so it could have gone a very different way where she just kind of faded out and wasn't able to stay disciplined and focused and and compete at an elite level. So whether she's second or third, like that's just it's just a good nod to her that she's able to get back on track and, and stay competing and stay focused. And amazing that we're talking about second and third, both women being sub 11 second 100 meter runners. It's just crazy the, the level of speed out there. Uh, now let's get into our highlight reels, man. You know what it is? It's the ball hog sports talk. And if you don't know what a ball hog is, that means we need to rock, baby. So each one of us, uh, in our own way, we like to have the rock in our hand. And we do what we do when we have a rock in our hand. First, we're going to pass the rock over to my man, the Big Flow Show, for his ball hog highlight reel. Decide what you want to discuss for the week, whether it be sports, business, entertainment. What do you got for us, Big Flow Show? Uh, major change up in history. I don't know what you guys think about tradition versus progress. Just announced Notre Dame changed their fight song. They've changed the lyrics to their fight song. I think one of the most famous fight songs, I know I'm biased, but I would think one of the most famous fight songs in America, and they changed the fight song. So if you bear with me, I'm going to speak through it because my singing voice is still sleeping. But the old fight song was cheer, cheer for old Notre Dame, wake up the echoes, cheer in her name, send the volleys, cheer on high, shake down the thunder from the sky. What the, the odds be great or small? Own Notre Dame will win overall while her loyal sons go marching onward to victory. Yes. They've changed that. Now it ends while her loyal sons and daughters march on to victory. Is that blasphemy or is that a great time for progress? Well, the the students had already kind of changed it. So they probably made it official. You go to the games. It's a tweet. They put a tweet. So it's official. Yeah, it's official now. So they've been saying that for a while? Yeah, they say, while her loyal sons, remember we used to put our hands up and go, sons are marching. They do sons, sons and daughters. They they would already sang this new I lyric. see, you didn't run my whole special. My yeah, but, I, but to be clear. It's official. It wasn't official. And so I guess sons progress. And daughters march on. You know, our women's sports are actually so good to, to, uh, to not include them. But like is is like you know when you talk about man, mankind, that's all people was is sons. I guess it was an all boys school, so we can't try. To it's only it only took fifty years since they admitted women to Notre Dame for them to change the song to recognize women. Sons, <laughs> only fifty sons years. Only fifty years. Progress, baby. Hey, is, wait, we getting it. Notre Dame is on the forefront. <laughs> We're at the bleeding edge of progress. So anyway, that's that's my. That's story. what I'm saying. Only see. fifty years. Give me the quick bonus one because I know you that's a great story and they changed your the other one I was gonna talk about too is is uh 
Devontae Neal, coach at Idaho State. Um, also was at Notre Dame for one year and left. He was a five-star, top 50 player out of Arizona, came in, transferred to Air- University of Arizona. Um, kind of had a little bit of trouble, bounced around, but had been in coaching for a while. He got picked up and arrested for a drive-by shooting that he allegedly did in 2017. So I don't know what kind of evidence came forward. They haven't they haven't named the victims, but um, he's been uh, suspended <laughs> from his position because they had, I guess – I just say it has a real tough process on how to get rid of folks, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy to just see someone, you know, the fall from grace that people have, I think 2012 was when he was a, you know, a five-star player at Notre Dame and, and moved on to play Arizona. Um, don't think he had much of a pro career. And and now he's unfortunately, you know, the uh, attention, uh, the center of a, of a drive-by shooting. Murder was the case. That's that crazy. Game. Yeah. I don't know crazy. what you guys think about that, but that's, that's definitely, it's crazy how you how you know the ten year challenge, right? Five years ago, ten years ago, he was a five star player, and now he's behind bars for for murder. I don't know. Uh, we'll put the ledge on it, but uh, and it's always interesting how they will work. You know, that's why I'm always leery about some of these clickbait stories. You would think that he graduated from Notre Dame based on how I clicked on that story. Mm-hmm. And he only there for a year, transferred and played uh, a lot at Arizona. But Notre Dame was a little more enticing to put in that headline. Uh, so it got me to click on it. Uh, ETP, we're passing the ball to you, man. Go ahead and do your thing. Highlight reels on you, my brother. What do you got for us from the sports business entertainment world? What's your choice this week? Coco Golf in the French Open which is happening as we speak. The finals will be played by, in the on the women's side, Coco Goff, 18 years old, just graduated from high school. She's three months older than Serena was when she first won her first major at the U.S. Open in 1999. And she has not lost one set in the singles tournament yet. So she's won straight sets from the beginning of this tournament all the way into the finals, which she'll play tomorrow against the top ranked, uh, po- top rank in the in the world, but uh, Polish player Iga Svantec. But she's also playing in the doubles finals, which they have only lost one set in the entire tournament. So Coco Golf is filling the void of American tennis since Naomi Osaka was. Uh, you know, ousted early Serena's, I think probably just waiting for the U S open to try to get her last uh, grand slam, but obviously no shortage of talent coming through the American pipeline. So Coco golf is a up and comer playing for the, her first major. Uh, And look, the most important thing, and I'll make sure I say it right uh, about Coco golf is that she's from Florida somewhere. I think, right. Let me make sure. Let me see. No, she's from Atlanta. Yeah, she lives. She in was Florida rooting for the heat. Trying to claim. <laughs> she she, she drove through Florida that. a few times, so we gonna claim her. Um. Anyway, uh, but Coco Golf, man, shout out to Coco. Let's go, Coco. Let's go, Coco. Uh, you mess around, make me watch some tennis. Um, I'll pass it to myself, man. My ball hawk highlight real story of the week from Sports Business Entertainment comes from the NFL, and 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 unfortunately, it's tragic. We refer to the NFL uh, when I was – I had my little cup of coffee in the NFL, played well, – that's what we call it. We played very briefly. We said the NFL stood for not for long. 
the average career of any NFL player is less than three years. So that was a reference to the short careers that we have as players. Uh, and this week, not for long, um, really hits home. You had two tragic stories. The first one is young man Jeff Gladney, who was the first-round pick for the Minnesota Vikings. He was currently playing for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, 25 years old, he died in a car accident. Um, and then the second story, uh, was it yesterday, two nights ago, uh, two days ago, um, in Texas, uh, they found someone unresponsive in their Frisco apartment, and that someone who was was dead had been dead for at, at least uh, you know a couple of days was Marion Barber. Marion the Barbarian, as they used to call him because of his, his rough running style when he played for the Dallas Cowboys. Did his college career in Minnesota, was from Minnesota, but had gone on after playing with the Cowboys. I think he got he had one year with maybe the Bears. Um, but since his career um, has been arrested at least twice and, and erratic behaviors, people said CTE-like behaviors. So I don't know what happened to him in, in, in his apartment. Normally when there's so little information, one would assume that it was a suicide. I, I don't want to make that assumption, but I do want to say at the end, both to take a very brief moment of silence for both families and the tragic loss that they had and the NFL um, for the tragic loss of, of both of those members of that fraternity, which is the NFL. But the not for long is also, uh, we think of it from a career standpoint, but uh, as football players, we are taught to feel invincible. You need to feel invincible. It's me versus you, mono y mono, I've got to win. There's an element of invincibility that comes with that. And I think that while we appreciate the not for long and being very vulnerable with our careers in the NFL, I think that as players, as personalities, as people, you know, as, as community members, we have to appreciate that life itself is not for long. And so um, to live life a little more carefully uh, and embrace uh, the vulnerability that we do have, we are not invincible. And death is real and death is final. So we'll take a brief moment of silence, man, for both of those gentlemen and their families and for the NFL family with the two tragic losses of uh, Jeff Gladney and Marion Barber. You don't come back from that, man. So uh, I hate to end the show on a somber note, but at the same time, I wanted to pay respects to both of their families uh, and also let this be a warning call for, 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 for a lot of athletes that on the field of play, within those lines, you feel invincible. But the truth of the matter is, we all gonna die one day, man. So protect your life and cherish it, live away such that we respect all of the threats and, and dangers out there of the world. And uh, I, I hope that the NFL continues to build programming to support their players, both while playing and after they are done, um, because not for long is, is true, not only about our NFL careers, but our lives. So protect one another, remain a brotherhood, um, I will pray for those two families, pray for those two souls, uh, and may all of us uh, continue to recognize just how vulnerable and, uh, uh, and how short life is. 
with that, we thank you. We ask everybody kindly, please like, comment, share, tag a friend, tag a foe, tag anybody that you know, and please subscribe to both our YouTube channel and to the podcast. This week's episode entitled Photo Finish. We talked about some close finishes. We talked about a lot of things that happen in sports business and entertainment. But most importantly, we did it in a way that we always do it. Rough, rugged, and raw, where sports business and entertainment collide. I'm your boy, B. Brown, ESQ, a.k.a. The Ball Hall, a.k.a. The Mouth of South, a.k.a. Mr. Excessive Celebration, a.k.a. Breezy. I was joined by the crew, ETP, Ellis, the producer, and from the Windy City, the Big Flow Show. Thank you guys for supporting. Continue to support. We'll see you next Friday. And make sure that you share this with that. We is out. Peace.